0: With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson.
1: Welcome back to the first PeliPod of 2020. New year, new me. We're 5-3 and three since the last podcast and into the new year. Back with me, as always, is Jonathan Palazzolo and Tyler Nye. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Almost terrible, man. That was a close one. Thank God, you know, you went and took a shower. Yeah. So, <laughs> once again, uh, the Pelicans were almost given heartbreak against the Jazz via... A referee call, mm, and yeah. um, the first one was a non-call. This one was a call, and I, I'm going to say something, and I know you're going to be like, oh, shut the fuck up, but like, I'm going to say something, and I think a lot of the complaining is the reason why that touch file was called at the end of the game.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think Gentry was in that dude's ear quite often, like late in that fourth quarter, and, especially after the Josh part. No, we, we know the real real reason. What's up? Jonathan, it's your curse. No. no. we got to talk about the curse. We'll talk about the yeah, curse. we'll get there in a second. But yeah, I remember like the Josh Hart complaining after that after that loose ball. He was he, animated that game. Like Gentry was holding him back. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the referees were just, it seemed like they were looking for a foul, which is frustrating because some bullshit at the end of that game.
1: So we won, obviously tonight, 132 and the uh, thrilling overtime victory. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the Pelicans had to close out in overtime for the second night in a row, but we'll go dating back to the start of this five and three 2020 year um our first game of 2020 was a loss of Los Angeles Lakers 123 to 113 mm-hmm. um Lonzo Ball was our leading scorer that night uh Derek favors actually was our leading assist man with 14. that wasn't a bad game for the pelicans I no. think uh, I mean besides maybe like a size matchup with the Lakers um that that was really the only reason they kind of pushes around and it wasn't it was only when you know, like when we didn't have any size on the court, really. Yeah.
2: It seemed like they were bigger than us at every, um, pretty much every position, position besides yeah. like small forward. They were just so long and lengthy. They gave us problems early and we dug ourselves in a hole. Yeah. That Lakers team, the
0: interesting thing about them is they're just so big. Mm-hmm. They're one of the only NBA teams right now that's using all their size to their advantage. Yeah.
1: And then we, we stuck Drew Holiday on Davis and James most of the night. And, it's never – I mean, as great as a defender Drew Holiday is, it's never going to be a good night if your point guard is defending their two best bigs.
0: Well, and then LeBron was getting some touch fouls in that game as well, which is to be expected. Yeah.
1: So then the next game after that, we traveled up to Sacramento. We beat Sacramento 117-115. to 115. Again, Lonzo Ball was a leading scorer. Um, and I actually think I said this wrong. I'm sorry. Derek Favors was not the leading assist mm-hmm, getter. Mm-hmm, Let me just say that again. Uh, it was actually Drew Holiday. But next game, Lonzo had 24-10, and 10, uh, won that 117-115. to 115. That game was a lot closer than I expected it to be.
2: Yeah. But yeah. That was like the beginning of the Lonzo kind of stretch that we saw in ball out where people yeah. were like, okay, this guy is kind of showing some potential. It was a close game, but again, that was kind of like what triggered. It's been a weird season. It's been a season of a bunch of different narratives, but that that was a fun little... Three stretch, game stretch, stretch where we were up. like, okay, Lonzo, this is his potential.
0: But you start, you started to see the explosion and speed come back in his game mm-hmm. uh, right around there, and he, he was very confident in his shot. Yeah.
1: And then the the Sacramento Kings, I I know that was like the Aaron Fox's first game back in a minute, but man, I mean, I think they they like booed Buddy Hield off the court last night. Yeah. And. It's just it's crazy because I I honestly thought like that was the best up and coming backcourt coming into the season or up you know like as far as healed and and De'Aaron Fox went and I thought that team had a lot of potential you know signing Dwayne Deadman. but it just kind of Kings you know they they do what they do Kings. always doing Kings
2: things I kind of I kind of agree with Griffin where he said he doesn't think a market like New Orleans or these smaller markets really handle tanking very well so he said he never wanted to tank he wanted to be competitive. Um, And you kind of see, like, what happens when teams aren't competitive in a small market. It's kind of tougher to get the fans on your side. Unfortunately, Sacramento's been bad for so goddamn long, and they fucking passed on Luca. This is probably the first season they had real playoffs hopes. Well, I mean, and on top of that, they passed on Luca. Yeah. You know, so, like, you just kind of tired of mediocrity from them. I absolutely love Fox. Love Heald. It's unfortunate for them to be in a situation that they're in. Agreed. Yeah.
1: Moving on to the next game uh, was our first home game against Utah. Um, if anybody's not familiar with that game, basically Brandon Ingram tries to take the ball up the court to Gentry and Lonzo. Gentry
0: and JJ Redick were both trying to call timeouts. But trying to call timeouts as soon
1: as the basket was missed, right? Basically
0: what happened was, uh, yeah, the basket was missed. Uh, it was a rebound. Um, It might have been a free throw. I can't remember exactly uh, what caused the miss, but uh, Brandon Ingram gets it. You see him look up just a second because he's expecting a timeout too. And it was supposed to be a timeout, but they weren't looking and you saw the shot clock. So Brandon hurry up and goes down and they just let him go at that point. But right before that, JJ Redick and Gentry were both calling for a timeout. And what was funny is today's game, you saw Ingram
1: just stop (laughs) and he's like, (laughs) call the timeout. So basically Brandon Ingram takes it to the rim. Rudy Gobert clearly fouls him. The last 2 minute report confirmed that it was a foul, but the refs didn't call anything. Obviously, if it's not called, it can't be challenged. Um even though they don't reverse coaches challenges yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. But um we obviously lost that game. That was a, that was a big game. Like that w- that could have continued our little I mean every game for us right now is huge, right? Every every game because we're we're fighting for that 8th seed and you know, Memphis is balls of the wall hot right now, but um it's tough to drop a game like that, especially at home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Utah's got the new Andre Bagnani with Bogdanovich. He had 35 points against us yeah, and zero. Zero across the Anything board. else. Yeah. But he's
2: he's good. He's that, a, was, uh, that was the last game I went to. Oh. Uh, that curse. was the last game Let's I watched. The curse again. The curse. And that was the game I went to. I was like, yo, tickets are pretty cheap. Let me bring me and my girlfriend out. Um and I will say, like watching it live, it's amazing how comfortable these Pelicans have been with each other on the court. This in two thousand and twenty, and off the court, and off the court, yeah, yeah. They're, they're getting along, they're playing well, and like as long as I'm not watching, we have a chance to beat any team. <laughs> <laughs> like obviously, mean, that's how that's how good the product is that I'm seeing when I watch the highlights. So it's very nice, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that we had
1: another home game against Chicago. Um, we pretty much just wiped the floor with them.
2: Yeah, it's nice. That's another thing I kind of wanted to mention too, man. It's nice with Chicago and New York, seeing how much better we are than the bottom-feeding uh, teams. Because then I, we
1: we went to New York and beat New York.
2: Right. And I mean, our records aren't that different currently, but we're so much better than these teams. Don't you think, Tyler? Like, it's, yeah. it's amazing how our record doesn't paint the picture of how talented our team is. Yeah. And it just goes...
0: And that's what was so frustrating about that losing streak because we all knew the talent was there. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of maybe overreactions going on and hot takes at the time of that. But looking back, you know, with the lineup, he was fumbling and all the new players and chemistry kind of coming together. You got to give Gentry, like, you know, tip tip your hat to him for yeah. what he's been able to do to pull it back. And
2: I think that would that, be kind of interesting to talk about, like, what what's one thing we've noticed with the lineups that Gentry has kind of solidified in stone, mm-hmm. you know, cause I think we mentioned it, um, before and I'm starting to see it. The reason I'm bringing this up is cause I started to see it in these Chicago, New York game. It seems like Gentry has a, an identified rotation that works and he does play the matchups every now and then. Like we're going to talk about with the Detroit game, but, uh, it's nice to see the same guys out there with each other, be comfortable with each other often in these games yeah
0: but it's and this is the reason i think we all thought that they were making the playoffs because this roster that we're seeing right now and by the way we're winning games and most of these games like we're we're five and three in 2020 um over 500 and pretty much all of those games we've had a major player out yeah it's true at least a major player yeah and i mean we won in detroit with nobody nobody yeah right uh so i mean that's it's really impressive it's really impressive. Yeah,
1: I mean, even the loss at Boston, right? Like, you just knew they had to punt that game. Like, it was a it was a back to back game. It was pretty much. I think Gentry said it. Was, it it's he he kind of. That's where he
0: complained about the schedule. He
1: complained about the scheduling. He was like, "This is basically a scheduled loss for us," and we've played eight of our twelve back to backs already. Because he's
0: right, they made us go West Coast, so we had to go to the we had to go to LA. And then right after that, we had a back-to-back where we had to play uh, Sacramento. Yeah. Then we had Utah and Chicago at home within, like, four days, four days total. So we played four games in, like, we played four games in five days. Yeah. Um, and then we had to go to the East Coast, you know. So they just started sitting. And, and in those three games, that was three games in four days. So he, he,
2: he had a valid complaint there. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I love I love that term schedule loss because it would have been extremely difficult to beat uh you know a bottom feeder team right there and we got the Boston Celtics so tough schedule tough schedule right there
1: so after the Celtics game uh, which was pretty much just a game that was pointed for us uh, we went and played you know again pretty pretty soon after uh, you know we went to Detroit mm-hmm. played them with nobody
2: nobody no and
1: Jawzilla went off. <laughs> That game was... That was nuts. Talk
2: about storylines. What the hell? Yeah.
1: He he took it to Andre Drummond.
0: I think it all started when Andre Drummond dunked on him. Yeah. And for whatever reason, that little Super Saiyan spark on the jaw... And this dude was taking the ball up the court twice in a row. He was scoring on him. He dunked back on uh, Drummond. Drummond ended up getting benched. And now, I think because of that game, Atlanta's like, yeah,
1: we're not interested in Drummond. <laughs> 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 like, Josh single-handed. Dude, you know, like, fucked that dude's <laughs> trademark. it. Yeah, like, dude, you let Julio Okafor go off on you. There's no way we're trading for you
2: now. Dude, that's one of the really cool things about this team, though. Like, as we progress through this season, more and more stories are starting to be told about this team. We now have a cool story like, man, you remember when job balled out oh. against Detroit and Andre Drummond and you remember when Lonzo had that three, four game stretch where he looked like the best player on the team. I'm going to add another story about tonight's game too, which is kind of cool. So we'll, we'll move on. So tonight,
1: again, we had the Utah Jazz at home. And like we said before, we we obviously captured the win 138, 132 in overtime. Brandon Ingram was phenomenal again. Uh, 49 points. Um, All-star. Yeah. I mean, that's all
2: I'm going to say. I think it's
0: getting to the point where people would say, like, Brandon Ingram's like a poor man's Kevin Durant. You can't
1: say that anymore.
2: No. At 49 points, isn't a poor man's.
1: I'm willing to say this right now and right here. And, uh, Uh man, people are going to kill me for this.
2: Oh, God. Here we
0: go. Jesse, hot take.
1: Let's go. But this is my hot take for the season. If if we knew we were getting this Brandon Ingram, Anthony Davis for Brandon Ingram straight up, was very, like, would would have been fair.
2: Yeah.
0: As a fan, as a fan, maybe like not in a vacuum, but as a fan and as a person who's watched this team for, you know, 15 years, uh, stuff like that, I would do it straight up. Yeah. You know, Hansi 2020 because not only does Brandon Ingram at an a more, it almost feels like a more efficient level. He's giving you the points. He might not be giving you the defensive impact, but he's giving you the effort and the team leadership we've never had from, Davis.
2: I'm just thankful that Lonzo and Brandon Ingram um, purposely played like shit while they were in L.A. to uh, be a part of a trade yeah. package that they knew was coming. <laughs> you know, they, they knew this was happening, right? Yeah. But no, I mean, it does seem like a, a little bit of providence here with the fact that we we picked up damaged goods that are starting to um, be morphed into diamonds, you know, and, and, and it's, some, it's very nice to see that.
0: And somebody said, "This is Brandon Ingram, not like
2: the most nola superstar, oh, yeah. like we've ever yeah. had." Yeah, and and as far as like basketball goes, like, yeah. So I think JJ JJ Reddick kind of described New Orleans as uh as like everything you want in a big city, but it's still relaxed. Yeah, you know. I mean, I feel like that's Brandon that's Ingram, Brandon right? Ingram. He's got everything you want out of a superstar on the court, and he's still like a relaxed, chill guy at a slow pace. So. Absolutely. I absolutely love him and seeing the energy that he, like the guys cheer for him, like genuinely cheer did for you, him. Did yeah. you
0: ever see, yeah, y'all saw the uh, locker room reaction yeah. tonight? Yeah. They they had a, they basically brought champagne in and sprayed it at Brandon Ingram for getting 49. That's oh, how okay. much the team loves him. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Did, did you, you ever see that for Anthony Davis? No, never. I don't know if it's says this team or like the vets are that good of vets and stuff, but like. I just he do I mean, just brings to, a different energy to, be to the
2: team. F- to be fair, the culture of this team is the best I've ever seen. Yeah, I, probably like, since like the CP three, like the CP. If I'm day.
0: David Griffin at this point, and we we'll, we can discuss this later, but I'll say this real quick. But I don't even know if I want to do a trade just because of like this team chemistry right I now. Agree. It's almost something you yeah. don't even want to mess with.
2: I 100% agree. And you know, our biggest, not our biggest, but our most likely trade asset was Etan Moore. Uncle E no has way. been a you dog. Yeah, like, there's no way you can't. Yeah, no. What he brings to the table for these young guys to see that, like, fuck, I'm smiling right now. I fucking love Uncle. You gotta e. give. You,
0: yeah, you gotta give Griffin some credit. He brought in the right and perfect vets for mm. these young guys. Yeah, he's got a balance. We thought that balance wasn't good enough. We thought maybe there wasn't
2: enough vets, too many young guys. I think the balance is great and right yeah. where it needs to. And, be. You heard on the... Did y'all listen to the J.J. Reddick podcast, what he said about Noah? He's... Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the cases. Like, J.J. Reddick said, there's a rookie here that I absolutely love, and he... Whenever I'm doing anything by myself, he's like, hey, man, can I tag along? You see why J.J. Reddick was brought on outside of just what he brings to the court. You, I think that, that the same can be said for Uncle E. Yep. With And you th- saw, yeah, with uh, J.J. Reddick when he brought Zion on.
0: Not, yeah. J.J. says, what is the one thing that... Im- pressed you or like made the biggest impact yeah. on you when you came to the Pelicans. And he said, eat one more. Yeah. And he's like, "This is this guy. Nobody really talks about. Nobody really knows about. And one of the coaches told Zion, he's like, this dude's a walking bucket. Yeah. And he's like, okay, whatever. And then he gets in and training camp and he's like, sure enough, this dude is a walking bucket. bucket yeah. He
2: doesn't play. And then he and mentioned, he brings
0: like- the same level of mindset and professionalism no matter what. He went like three games without playing, he said. Yeah. And he came right in and scored like 20 points. Like,
2: fuck. I, it's great. Like, I apologize, Etwan. I want uh, you here, man. Stay.
1: I, I didn't. So, in the beginning of the season, and I said this last podcast, I always said that the season prior when Anthony Davis was leaving, the reason why we didn't get to Etwan more from the first season we had him just was because a lot of his minutes were spent playing out of
2: position. He was a small forward. Yeah. And this is
1: the first Pelicans team we've seen in a very long time where guys are playing at their natural position.
2: Yeah. And yep. you got to credit Griffin and Langdon because they, they mentioned that in the offseason, the entire offseason, he said, we want players with clearly defined roles. Etwan Moore is not playing small forward. You know yeah, what I'm and, saying?
0: And I mean, the knock is like, uh, Etwan's defense or, you know, his his foot speed and stuff like that. But I mean, this dude comes in and gives you consistent scoring, like off the bench, and he's a leader for these young guys. Like, how much more comfortable does Naw feel with him? You know, yeah. Like, that's, that stuff matters. So, and you see
2: Etwan on the court often with Naw and Hayes. And it's just. And he's it. just doing it. He's just he's showing, showing them how to be a professional. It's awesome.
1: Speaking of Naw.
2: A player we were very,
1: very, very, very high on. And very,
0: very, very low on after. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, He's kind of turned it around. He was really good in the pick and roll tonight. Yeah. uh, Especially Derek Favors and Jackson Hayes. Um, What's been the big turnaround for him? Is it something that just was it an aha moment for him? Or was it more just working on his craft and getting to gel with this team?
2: I think he has half a season under his belt. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. We're yeah. gonna we we we're starting to see some rookies ball out. The biggest one's John Morant right now, but you're seeing across the board like this rookie class is at the halfway mark, and a lot of these rookies are doing extremely well. I mean, I read an article on Culver, uh, Jarrett Culver. He started the year with the worst of statistics. People talking about how he was a terrible pick. And then you get to that game 30, game 35, game 40, and he's averaging like 15, 16, 17 points a game with the same amount of minutes. Mm-hmm. So and the reason I'm mentioning that is because I think the same's happening with Nall. He's just comfortable with the game, and it shows. He's comfortable with his role, and it shows. And he has the same guys on the court with him when he steps on the court. It's always Jackson Hayes out there. Yeah. It's always Etuan Moore. um, And they kind of keep... Frank Jackson on the court sometimes with them too, if they run in small ball, but he's comfortable now. And when he's running the pick and roll, I trust him to make the right decision almost every time that with Jackson Hayes. So it's beautiful to see. And I think the turnaround is just uh, accredited to him being comfortable now that he's uh halfway through his rookie year. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of times when rookies are struggling with their shots, it's a confidence
0: thing, but mm-hmm. we knew the confidence was with him already. Yeah. So it's really just like, and I think I had mentioned this before on the podcast, but it's just the game slowing down for him. Um, like you said, you know, not everybody can adjust right away. Yeah. Um, especially when you might not be as athletically gifted as some of these other players, um, which I know was one of his knocks in the draft. But you can see him running the pick and roll with patience now. Yes. Where as yes. before, he was looking like, oh, do I get the shot off right after the and pick? He was or like do picking I, up his dribble. You know, do I like do a cross-court pass, like he was trying to do all this crazy stuff. But you can tell the coaches are working with him, slowing the game down for him, probably not giving him that much to think like, hey, look, we're going to put you in with Jackson. You know, you got, the, you got the roller right there. If you ain't got nothing, pull it back out, pass to whoever the, your playmaker is at that time.
2: Um, so I, I give the coaches credit for it too. And honestly, watching Utah play – might have been good for him these past two games, too. Could you see how slow they are with the pick and roll? Oh, yeah. They got they just, Joe Ingles running it. They, they got Joe Ingles running it with the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. And Joe Ingles just like, okay, what's the defense doing? He's top, he stops, and takes a sip of coffee in the lane, and then throws up a floater. It's deadly. Yeah, it, it works very efficiently. So Utah might Cobert. be a good team to like mimic in that pick and roll especially with a guy like jackson hayes who can finish better than rudy gobert
0: yeah we talk about they talk about gobert as defensive player of the year but he's the best screen setter in the game it's amazing so that does help too it's am- but it's amazing watching him and uh watching him and bogdanovich run picks off of him to get their shots like whatever they want it was
2: just crazy it's our i've never seen a team set screens that well where our defenders literally just can't get to the guy and tom it's amazing And then
0: you know As soon as you start trying to like even just set a small hedge.
2: Gobert's rolling down hard and they throw up a lob. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's so tough to, it's a very crazy. simple offense. That's executed. Perfect. Shout out to Utah. Like I really like that team. Actually. Snyder is a great I, coach uh, too. Yeah. He's a smart yeah. coach. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jesse Tyler and I over here, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Conversation. but uh, uh, that's just the team yeah. that I respect so much. And yeah. I'm, just, I'm just really happy that the Pelicans, I mean, I didn't up. like them tonight, but yeah, I agree. I respect. I, I think,
1: them. I think prior to the season, I, I, I thought they were going to be very good. Yeah. You know, with the just with the additions they made and just how smart they've always played. Yeah. You know, even even dating back to last year.
0: I think Utah is the team that will give the Lakers trouble in the playoffs if they meet. I think Utah is gonna give yeah. any team they, they got Lakers. the size an IQ to match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean Lakers are the favorites right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: So talking about our own screen man, D Faves. Dude. It's it's unprecedented how important he is to this team. Tonight, twenty one and eleven but just his overall IQ for the game and and how he just anchors our defense and, and the I mean, work he puts in he the work takes he on puts a big in. workload yeah. yeah he does and and you you know he's not playing because we either lose the game like the games he was out we either lose the game or our defense just gives up a
2: ton of points
0: and teams know it yeah they do they, attack they the just rim, attack man. the rim yeah. just
2: relentlessly it's just it's amazing how calm he is right Yeah. Like, on defense, everything's been said about his defense. But, like, on offense, when we run like, the high post with him, Mm -hmm. and sometimes they actually pass it to him in the high post, he just kind of waits and lets the offense do their thing, and then just makes the right pass. And, like, there was one play that kind of uh, exemplified that perfectly. He caught the ball at the top of the key, and everybody was getting defended extremely tightly by Utah, who was doing a really good job with that, especially in the first half. And so he didn't try to force a pass. He just held it. And then eventually, Nicole Melli cut, and he passed it to him, and it was an easy two points with, like, three seconds left in the shot clock. And it's just nice to see that veteran say, like, yeah, dude, I'm not going to rush it. I'm just going to wait, and something's going to happen. And he makes the right call quite so, often.
1: So that's the biggest surprise for me, right, with Derek Favors, is his, just passing his, his passing ability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he sees things that some point guards miss.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Sign me up for Derek Favors and more yeah, like Yeah, and, in and in that the future. same,
1: like, how we
0: got the, uh, you know, the vets and their impact on the rookies, Favors running the pick and roll, um, you know, and getting some of those great uh, corner passes and stuff off uh, out of it. You saw Hayes doing that, yeah, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's so
2: true. He it's was so not true.
0: doing that before Favors was in the
1: lineup. Could, no. could I mean, let's be realistic, could Jackson Hayes not be learning from a better center right now? Yeah, because like, what's what great him, is is him their sitting there, pl- Yeah, him sitting there playing, in but like the things Jackson Hayes is really weak at. Are the things Derek Favors is really good at?
2: Couldn't have said it better. Derek Favors definitely brings to the court things that aren't flashy, and Hayes has all the flashiness already. So he needs to learn the things that Derek Favors can, does. And and uh, yeah, I want to I want to pick another big man right now to learn from besides that. Yeah, I mean, right now I just looked up as far as
0: um, his assist percentage. Uh, it's uh, 74th percentile in the league, yeah. so yeah. four bigs, which is pretty high. So he's I mean, a
2: very, very good passing big man. Yeah. It's, it's
0: He's impressive. And I I think one other thing, the only thing that makes me a little nervous about Favors is the workload that he's taking on, which I feel like is a lot. He's putting in a lot of work, and you can see the effort he's putting out on yeah. the court. Um, And you can see, like, it feels like they got to give him for, like, every – like. He took that scrum in the was it the Utah game? He took that scrum and he mm-hmm. had to sit out a couple yeah. games mm-hmm. until uh, Wait, that, was the, that was actually the Knicks game. It was the Knicks game, yeah, yeah. but like it feels like that could happen
2: again. That might lead into something we can talk about later. But I think I think the answer to that is just getting Hayes more minutes periodically as yeah. Hayes starts to improve. But you're right, like when it comes to playing elite centers like Rudy Gobert,
0: because he can still he just, get. Oh w- he's always in the right position,
2: but just because of length he can still get you know,
0: he can still have trouble.
2: Dude, there was a play where he defended two guys on one play and got oh, a yeah. serious swat on O'Neal. Oh yeah. Like he defended the lob, so O'Neal got the pass uh coming from baseline and he left his man that who he just defended the lob from and sent O'Neal shit, which was awesome. He was just like eight for ten tonight, right? Yes. Yes. H- Hayes? Yeah. Hayes had a really good game. No, no, not Hayes. Favors. Favors. Oh, Favors. Um, Favors F- said like... He was 10 for
1: 12. He was 10, 10 for 12. 12 yeah. 10 for 12. I'm sorry. 10 for 12 in 36 minutes.
2: Yeah. I think he had like 15 points going into overtime or maybe 17 and he finished with 21. But he he had a really good game. Um, But man, like I said, dude, when we play these elite defenders, I almost don't ever want him to ever leave the court. Yeah. He does such a good job. I mean, he, elite centers. He does such a good job on those guys. Yeah.
1: So... The officiating in the second Mm. half Mm. leading into overtime was pretty bad. Mm. Um, Is is this – I don't want to sound like one of those bums who gets on Reddit and just complains about how my team got screwed, but I feel like we've had a pretty bad run. I think tonight in the second half, Utah shot somewhere close to 23 free throws, and we shot four. There was one foul like the one that we talked about where Josh Hart got like really animated
0: where he went for a steal. It was a clean steal all the way and they just called it like a reaction foul cuz like I think it was against Ingles and Ingles just kind of flopped and hit mm-hmm, yeah. the floor. And
1: dude, I never ever saw Josh Hart get like that. <laughs> he was pissed. I mean, off. D- you got to feel for this fucking team like yep. they're fighting their asses off yep. to get into the playoff race. They're starting to gel together. And to have a game taken from you because of touch files or flops is, for players, that's frustrating. I mean, they're this team is obviously leaving everything out on the court, night in and night out, and you can't control foul calls. That's the only thing in the game they can't control.
2: Yeah. I mean, you do everything right. You do everything right only for, I don't, I just don't understand it. Like, I watched the play over and over again at least 10 to 15 times It just looked like big men bodying each other up underneath the basket.
1: Real quick, can somebody look up if Gentry mentioned... Anything about the foul call tonight? Did, so, it, did anybody notice anything Oh, on he
0: said, like, uh, the players said, it's okay. We're going to go win this in overtime. And he tells the reporters, he's like, me and you. He's like, we both we all know that it should have never got to
2: that. And then somebody asked him to talk, like, specifically about it. And then his response was, are you going to pay my fine? <laughs> yeah, and that was it. I think so, he's talked about the refs yeah. enough this season already.
1: I remember the, after the Utah loss, like, he looked like he wanted to I, – I, he was, like – you could see like just how boiling mad he was and i think I mean, he, he even said something under his breath like after the interview was over and like they were shutting the mics off i remember him saying something along the lines of i wish i could say what i want to fucking say
2: there's an alternate universe out there where we're doing a Pelly podcast and we're talking about Alvin Gentry getting suspended from the league after a Utah lost tonight. Like, after yeah, a, after a loss exactly. tonight, you know? If we would have lost this game after that shit, Alvin Gentry, I don't think, would have been whispering under his breath. He would have no. said whatever the fuck he, he wanted, wanted to it. say in that microphone.
0: So, yeah. I, I mean, what I will say with the refs, I think at the beginning of the se- season, you saw the free throw differential was there pretty much for the team every time. And I felt like besides maybe, like, the Raptors game on... Like, it was mostly on the Pelicans because we settled for jumpers way too early. But we attack the basket now. I think it's gotten to a the lot. point where, like, we like the coaches have nailed it in. Like, hey, do not just fall for jumpers. Like, please. <laughs> yeah, so we're still and,
2: taking 50 three-pointers a game. Yeah. But it just seems like we're attacking the rim a lot. Well, we're we using
0: up. the three-pointers in the right situations. So we're not yeah. just trying to get the numbers, the up. numbers up. Yeah. Um, But uh, give credit to Ingram for always attacking the basket. Like, dude... Never takes a night off as far as attacking the basket. so, And that's part of what being an elite score is about. You have to do that. You have to get to the free throw line.
2: Yeah. Ingram's, Ingram's nice, man, because we, we're living in a league now where it's three-pointers or layups, right, or dunks. Like, that's it. The mid-range shot chart is just non-existent. So uh, he gets that shot at will whenever and, he wants now. And Just to your point, Jesse, me and Jonathan looked this up right before the podcast. But as far
0: as our free throw rate this season, we are 26 in the league um and then as far as our defense we allow uh 20 we're at 24th as far as allowing teams free throws okay. so the so bottom five in the yeah. free throw category both yeah. ways
1: so i wanted to transition to this and i know we wanted to talk about this last but i just feel like this is the right moment to talk about it because we we're talking about bi mm-hmm. he's a fucking all-star
0: oh yeah he is but i guess he's we not gonna vote get, for carmelo
1: he's not gonna get voted in um do the coaches pick the bench
0: it's 50 25 25. So it's uh it's fans 50, coaches 25 and players 25. Yeah. So it's pretty much fans get the starters, coaches and players get the bench.
2: Guys, I'm all about democracy, right? I'm a pure American. Fans should not get the vote. Fuck fans democracy should, yeah. on this shit. Fans, right? Fans like, this, is, this is bullshit. Fans should yeah. get 25. Like I guess isn't you got Steph
1: ha- Curry like real high in vote? Dude, I uh, fucking play in a minute. See if I can pull it off. falls. Taco Falls in there, yeah. Alex yeah. Caruso. Oh Dude, fucking as man. much as well, like, we- wait, 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 we're gonna fucking talk about this. Did y'all see that po- that thread on Twitter where they talked about how the media just pushes certain players? Yeah, play and that report. Alex Caru- yeah, that Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma have been pushed on such mm. a level that it outweighs more than Rudy Gobert, Giannis. And like Donovan Mitchell combined.
2: Yeah. Another reason why I respect Utah so much. I mean, they have a budding superstar in Donovan Mitchell tonight, right? Like shades of early James Harden, what I saw Dude, tonight. Okay. And so, he doesn't get talked about as much so as Kuzma. Here's some fun ones for you guys.
0: Taco Fall is six in front court votes at 757,000 fan votes. Um, what is Brandon Ingram? Brandon Ingram is like losing ninth. to Taco Fall by 100,000 votes. Jesus.
1: and see see, dude that's why like it's like Stephen
0: Curry has more than Donovan Mitchell Devin Booker D'Angelo Russell and Ja Morant um, right now Alex Caruso
1: is fourth in guard votes fourth I mean it's just complete bullshit that that dude might make the all-star team for being complete uh, it's because he's a fucking joke like yeah yeah.
0: Carmelo Anthony is sixth in front court votes for the Western Conference I, I
1: would say that surprised me but like dude I'm telling you like so many old heads. Derrick Rose fourth. Derrick Rose yeah. fourth
0: in guard votes. He's coming off the bench for Detroit. Yeah, like
1: that's just people who don't pay attention to basketball. They just like, oh, that's a name I know. Let me click it real quick.
0: I mean, but what's crazy is like how many like that's that's kind of embarrassing for the NBA if like.
1: But dude, it's it's not like that's what the, the NBA the is, NBA bro. Like, wants
0: those clicks. But I feel like some of these clicks are not. I don't know. It's... Bro, it,
1: it it is what it is. Like, every time I I go to a Lakers game, West Bank dudes walk in with Lakers jerseys, and then as soon as they walk out, they go and put their fucking Steph Curry jerseys on and, and come into the next Golden State game. Like, it, it, it literally is what it is with the NBA. Like...
0: Dwight Howard's 10th in frontcourt votes. Yeah,
1: see? And it's just... I, I, there's nothing even to talk about it. It, it is what it is. Brandon Ingram is far better than all of those players right now. I mean,
0: they're right with the top three for the most part. So top three in the front court in the West: LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard. Okay, that's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, guards: Luca, James Harden, Damian Lillard. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, sounds- that's pretty. That's pretty right. Eastern Conference: Giannis, Pops, Pascal, and Joel Embiid. Um, sounds right to me. Uh, guards: Trey Young, Kyrie, Kyrie. Yeah but okay, I, I understand Even Trey, that like, Well, Trey yeah. Young has been going off this season. I mean, as far as oh, offense, of and they don't have minutes. many good guards in, like Ben Simmons is considered a guard Um, in the votes. I feel like Kimball Walker should be in there. Uh, he He's third. Okay. All Kimball right. Walker's third. So that's why, I, I mean, for when when it comes to the top
2: three, they get it right, but after that, it's a joke. It's a joke, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I really don't like that vote, man, and, It reminds me, uh, I'm sorry I'm going to bring up college shit, but Socrates didn't like democracy. (laughs) He he liked it, but he was like, yeah, I'm not about everybody voting. I'm about everybody who understands the subject voting. So we need to educate the voters before they vote. Yeah, like just the fact that
0: Taco Taco Falls beating Bam Adebayo, who's having like a great season season for for Miami. Miami. Yeah. That's bad enough on its own. And Miami's a big market, too.
2: But I mean, to answer your question, Jesse, I think like nights like tonight, I think, put the limelight a lot more on Brandon Ingram. Get some of them Lakers fans to vote for him. Well, yeah, and and (laughs) in the fact that the team's winning, team success has a lot to do with it as well. So if the Pelicans continue to win, if Brandon Ingram continues to shine the brightest during these wins and have moments like he did tonight... Um, I think that that's going to contribute to more fan votes, coaches' votes, and players' votes.
1: All right. Well, on to my next question. Someone is returning soon. You're right. Does Brandon Ingram take a step back when Zion comes back?
2: No. I'm going to say no chance. Okay. All right. What do you think, Jesse?
1: I don't think so, but... You know, somebody, somebody approached me with that question today um, at work, and they were like, with Zion coming back, do you think Brandon – because they were like, remember the preseason when, like, Zion was scoring a bunch and Brandon Ingram was just kind of like, oh, man, dude, they need, to get, they need to get rid of this dude. And I was like, well, dude, like, preseason, you got to remember, like, Brandon Ingram was coming off of a major injury, not like to the point where he, like, didn't pick up a basketball for a, a lengthy period of time. I was like, you know, he was just trying to find his way in the system and find his way back into the game. No way do I think Zion coming back changes that. If anything, it may make life a whole lot easier for Brandon Ingram. So
2: when Derek Favors was being interviewed um, at the, at, at the um, post-game conference in the locker room, they asked him, what did you do that helped out the team when Brandon Ingram was getting double teamed? And he was like, yeah, when Brandon Ingram gets hot like that, I just make sure that I'm open. And that's going to happen. If Brandon Ingram gets hot again, not only is Favors going to be open, a lot of other guys are going to be open. And I can't think of a better guy to pass to off the cut than Zion Williamson. Yep. So like, please, please come double team BI when he gets hot and you're going to have an open brand uh, Zion Williamson. You're going to have an open Derek Favors. And you're going to see that a lot if Brandon Ingram continues, and I think he will, playing at this all-star level like he is right now. So that's a that is a very, very good situation to be in as a pelicans player to have another guy to pass to when you are double team like that that can finish at the rim like zion i think you're gonna see a lot of nice things so i'll ask you this question real quick jesse okay who who has the
0: best uh as far as positive impact from zion returning who has the worst impact from zion returning
1: okay so lonzo is gonna have the best just because i think the court's gonna open up for him a little bit more um there's some passes he throws to people that he thinks is Zion that it isn't nah, did you yeah. see that yeah. one he threw to Etuan he threw one to Etuan he threw one to Cheatham. <laughs> like there's just times you see where he's like fuck man if that was Zion that shit would have got fucking smashed <laughs> um as far as who's gonna have the worst impact it's gonna impact Kennerich Williams the most because he's just never gonna play
2: okay yeah but, so I think this is a good question to ask I think in terms of Like, who's going to take less shots? I really don't see Lonzo Ball putting up 12, 15 shots a game with Zion back. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to increase his game in terms of, like, efficiency and assist Mm -hmm. because he's got another guy out there that that he can throw the ball up to. So I do think it's going to improve Lonzo Ball's game the most. But at the same time, I think it's going to reduce the amount of shots that he gets. Okay. So I think I'm just going to answer with that. I think Lonzo Ball is going to be affected in a very positive way. But his usage rate in terms of offensive point production is going to go a lot further down than what we've seen this past two weeks. And we don't have like an actual confirmation,
0: but from what it's looking like, Zion is coming off the bench to start and won't be at a minutes restriction, quote-unquote, but he is probably playing 20 minutes, 25, his first game back. Yeah. And and they're seeing where it goes from there. And And
1: then David Griffin did say that um, as far as back-to-backs go, while they don't think it's going to happen – most of our back to backs are out of the way, and the next one isn't for a while. So they'll play it by ear. So when the back to back does come, they'll see how he's feeling and, and, and make a determination then.
0: Yeah. And um, I'll actually have this one more quick question because I don't want to get too much on the health stuff because I feel like I have no idea what I'm talking
2: about when it comes to that. So there's a I'll million be- <laughs> doctors out there. Obviously, yeah. everybody has a doctorate degree, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, but. The fact that he's
0: sitting in back to backs, and let's say he's on a minutes restriction like the rest of the season or something, what do we think? What do we think that's for? Are they just investing, like protecting him? Don't want to put too many minutes on him. Like,
1: I think it's kind of like the same thing that happened with Davis's first year, right? Like, Monty Williams is very protective of Davis and was like, "Look, I don't want him getting beat up or putting a lot of pressure on his body this first year." I just want him to get acclimated with playing NBA basketball and just let him grow. And I think that's the same thing with Zion, you know? Let him get acclimated to NBA life. Let him get his legs under him. Let him get in, shape, in game shape. Um, we'll talk about some... We'll play yeah. some soundbites from David Griffin, but, um, you know, just let him become Zion, you know? Yeah. Don't... I mean, it, it has... As far as back-to-backs goes, there's no need to put on... Any unnecessary stress on the kid, you know, because you want him here for a long time. So why even take that risk?
2: I think, I think uh, every, a lot of people have been in a position from being like, uh, in, a, in a position where they don't do real 100% athletic competition and then jumping into it 100%. It's just not the same as doing practices, you know, it's not the same as all these training sessions. So I think it's just protecting them from, um, and probably overly cautiously doing it, just protecting them from any type of future injury risk. Like that might not, they may be a very small percentage, but if reducing minutes, which I think it does, if reducing minutes reduces the percentage that Zion has any further issues at all, then that's one hundred percent the route that you have to go.
0: Uh, I'll say uh, one last one last question. I don't know if you got this in your uh, in your questions coming up, but um, what do y'all think the starting look? lineup looks like when Zion eventually comes in it.
1: It it will be Lonzo. Um,
0: A lot of people talk about this is an actual topic and this was a topic before the season started in the preseason because Lonzo did uh, start and J.J. Redick was coming off the bench but a lot of people think J.J. Redick should start,
1: should provide that spacing. Um, Uh, I I think it's still going to be Lonzo, Drew, Zion bi favors, and I think uh, the first person to the bench will probably be Lonzo. JJ comes in, okay. And then I think eventually they'll they'll work around faves coming out.
2: I Hayes mean, coming in, yeah. I mean, if Zion's if Zion's coming off the bench, then it should be Drew and JJ. Yeah, that's
1: well, yeah,
0: so Lonzo,
2: but I'm saying when Zion Zion eventually hits the starting lineup, yeah, then Zion has to be in the starting lineup. Yeah, but who who do you? Do you see JJ on the bench? Yeah, Alonzo. Oh, I see JJ going to the bench because I think I think what we we when we said this um before the season started and I think it still holds true. We want to we want to see who what works really well with Zion this season and if we can accomplish that goal this season, that's a very huge accomplishment. So we have a budding superstar in Brandon Ingram. Let's see what the fuck happens if we have Ingram in Zion in the starting lineup because that seems to be our future right now. Because
0: effectively, effectively, what you're doing is you're taking um. As far as playmaking, as far as an effective passer, because JJ Reddick's great, but you know, at the end of the day, he still is for the most part just a shooter. He's not really going to get his assist numbers. Um, you're you're taking that for shooting, so you're deciding which one's more important. But I think I agree with y'all, and it has to be with Lonzo just to see what he looks like with Zion, because yeah. you got to know if you need to make that investment yeah. on Lonzo. Absolutely.
2: And I think, honestly, man, I think with how good of a playmaker Brandon Ingram's become recently, his, like, passing and his ability to see the court's been really well, we can drop one of these guards on the bench and see how it looks with Dion in there and Brandon Ingram. So, like, you know, bring, drop Lonzo to the bench or Drew Holiday to the bench, not to start, but... In the game, bring him to the bench and bring JJ in. Give some more shooting, get some more space, and give uh, Brandon Ingram the ball to handle.
0: And Gentry's
1: not afraid to do matchup base too. So yeah, he no. just change it up. And he's, he's not actually... afraid to try a lineup that none of us would ever try in a million years either. Yep. Yeah. So we're gonna talk a little bit about the uh, Griffin interview. Um, a lot of frustration on his part. Um, if you well, you, we'll we'll listen to the first question and then we'll talk about it. This is this is the first question he had.
3: How frustrating has the speculation been? Because it does sometimes, it it, it kind of points the picture back to the
1: perception of the Pelicans as they used to be.
3: Yeah, um, it's frustrating only from the standpoint of trust, you know, with with the player and with our family here internally. Um, Those decisions weren't even reached until this morning uh, when our medical team got together with myself, with Zion, and and we sort of arrived at, at a place where we can tell where we are. Um, so anybody that was guessing before wasn't getting it from anybody who actually knew. Um, so that's really frustrating uh, because the only people that really knew anything in the process were our medical team and the player. And So
1: a report came out that <laughs> Zion was going to make his return on the 16th um, tonight. So much I believed in it that I was like taking off of work and buying tickets and going to the game tonight. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's what David Griffin is, is alluding to is like, it's frustrating because it's putting pressure. It's frustrating for Griffin because reports like that that people believe in put pressure on the team to answer questions or give definitive dates. And I think with I think Zion reads these reports and he's going to Griffin and saying, "Hey man, like, are, are, are you gonna give me a date?"
2: And the also what it does is, as a fan base, we're like, "Damn, he's coming back from the Jazz." People are tell people are releasing this information. And when he doesn't, we're like, what the fuck, Griffin? People within your organization said that he's coming back from the Jazz. What the hell is going on? And that's not something he's ever once said or once released. So I can't imagine how frustrating that is for people to say you said something when you didn't say it and then expecting you to hold up to expectations that you didn't say yourself. Let's be honest. When He's talking about when Jesse guessed it on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I think,
0: honestly, if y'all want me to, I think he's pissed at ESPN. I, from listening to the interview, I think he's pissed at ESPN because, like, I think it was, like, last week or two weeks ago when Jalen Rose is, like, just shitting on, like, Zion should not return and, look, like he's running, like, me out there and stuff. Like, yeah. I know that's where David Griffin pays attention because he worked there, mm-hmm. and he's probably confused by it because he knows there's a bunch of good people there because he specifically mentions, he's like, well, I know why it happens because of clickbait, and I think he's talking about ESPN. Yeah. And or players making statements like that, like, you know, because he was asked, um, I don't know if you have that quote or not, but he was asked if Zion was going to, if there was ever consideration that he would miss oh, the well, rest of the season.
1: Hold on, Let's just play that now because yeah, that, that is the next the, the oh, next soundbite. That. I really believe very strongly he is a radically improved
3: physical version of himself in, in ways that, frankly, we took the extra time to ensure. Did you ever consider – not playing him this year. No. And
1: he never considered it either. Uh. So, Griffin obviously believes that everything they took into account for during this rehab process has obviously improved Zion and made him... It's basically like... You remember when, like, Goku got his ass beat on Namek? (laughs) (laughs) okay, And they stuck him in the... uh, Brought
0: to you by Dragon Ball Z. the, The chamber.
1: And then, like, even though he got... Vegeta stuck him in the chamber and then... While they're all getting their asses beat by Frieza, Goku is just like slowly strengthening up, and then finally he breaks free from the chamber, and then, you know, the rest is history. That's pretty much what he's saying right now, and I'd hate to bring up an anime point of view, but, you know, I'm a nerd, so... But, like, it's true, though. Like, Griffin obviously believes what they did was in the best interest, and from that, Zion is better off. And then, obviously, he felt very strongly about the second part where... It was never a question he was going to sit out the entire season. If Zion could have played, he was going to play. And he even says, like, later on in the interview, it, I didn't catch that in the sound bite, but he says, y'all kept bringing up Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin fractured his kneecap.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that's I a, said ESPN because Jalen Rose literally said that.
1: He was like, yeah, look at Blake Griffin. He was like, like he fractured his kneecap. <laughs> that's a totally different healing process and injury versus what Zion uh, went through.
2: You know who he fractured his kneecap against? The New Orleans Hornets. Wow, really? In preseason? Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow, going up for a dunk, uh, man. Um, I just have to point this out, y'all. We brought up Socrates and Dragon Ball Z in this podcast tonight. <laughs> that's that's a that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah of a, it's a Good
0: podcast.
2: I, I and I also like. I'm kind of interested to see. David Griffin said a lot in those interviews, but the fact that he said he thinks Zion is the better version of himself than what we saw in preseason. I want to see how that materializes on the court. Was that just talk? Was that just him talking up his guy, or was that was that real? Is that something he's seeing every day with him in practice and with him in train uh, in rehab? I think it's definitely real because
0: Zion said it himself. To yeah. JJ Redick, on the podcast, um, and I think we had talked about this. That's one of the reasons they specifically brought on Aaron Nelson and paid him the money he probably got to come here, and they took the opportunity. Hey, his knee's ready to go, but let's take the opportunity to get him in. And let's work on him. Let's work on his kinetic chain, which I know Griffin talks about. But, um, you know, he can, his body is so unique, they had to learn new things from him about yeah. how he's just nothing they've never seen in the NBA. So they had to treat him different. They had a, they probably had to study him. They honestly yeah, probably yeah. had to study him they probably had to finally get him healthy enough to where he could work out it's probably why they needed to see him in practice and stuff because if you ever watch these connect videos when they show the olympic players and stuff what they literally do is take their reel you know and see what they do and they'll map it out on different points and you'll see like a stick figure and you can see yeah. where you know how the body's moving that's probably what they actually did design and they could say hey see this is what you're doing wrong right here this is putting a ton of stress on your knee this, this, and this, and he's got to go in and correct it. Yeah. And they took that extra month to go and do that. And he talked about that. And you know it's a real thing because he was talking about players on J.J. Reddick's podcast. He was talking about, um, you know, people would ask him to come hang out, come get dinner, come get – he's like – and he's like, once we get off the plan, as soon as we got off the plane, it would be like uh, Trajan, Trajan or somebody else would be like, come on, Zion, we got work to do.
2: I have no doubt that Zion yeah. Williamson is getting the highest of technology – and the best of help uh, with Aaron Nelson and this training staff. I also, um, I also think that th- you're hundred percent right, Ty. Like we're going to do our due diligence with this team, with uh, Zion specifically. And Aaron Nelson has done this before with players like Shaq and Amar Stoudemire, some you know big guys that are heavier guys that put a lot of strain on their knees and turn their careers around. So and I trust him. It's just you know I, I, on the last podcast I, I kind of struggled with david griffin saying some of the things he said so i just i just hope he's genuine when innocent of you and
0: you you do that now because he's a rookie now yeah you can afford to miss extra time now he's not going to be able to do it year three or year four to take time to learn he's going to have built habits by then it's going to be very hard to break so do it now um while you can i don't know what your thoughts are on on that jesse
1: well uh so on the jj Frederick podcast um Zion says, like, they ask him, like, what was the most frustrating thing about this rehab process? And he basically says that the most frustrating thing was hearing about his bad habits. Like, oh well, you know, when you land, you're putting too much stress on this leg, or when you, or when you, when you, when you take off, you know, you're you're taking off at this angle and angle, you know, landing at this angle, and that's not, you know, that's that's counterproductive to what your body should be handling. And uh, you know, he said it was frustrating, but at the end of the day. Um, he's never felt any better and those little bitty changes in himself have produced very good results for his body and I, I think he's going to come in and kill it um, as far as that unknown GM or mysterious GM who said that go back six months he would have took John Moran over Zion Williamson like no, like let's be realistic. Like Joshs having a fucking great year, but anybody who got that number one pick was going was going Zion and I think he's still gonna have a great year and it's it's gonna be interesting to watch him and I can't wait to get we gets back on the court. And
0: he wouldn't be the first player to say that. He's not the first player to have stuff like that done to him and come back better. Yeah. Um, because of it. And I actually saw clips, uh that guy, Hardwood Paroxysm mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, actually showed Ja Morant how he was kinda landing on some of his stuff and you can see how he and because he, i mean a- nobody talks about that but john Morant had literally and he john Morant mentions it himself he's like i know what zion's going through because
2: he had the same injury he just had it before he got drafted, drafted. <laughs> yeah and yeah that's why we didn't see him summer league or preseason at all but i'm just curious man like would we have done this mechanics correction if zion didn't get hurt i still think so i think, but so. I think, think we so? probably would. it would
1: have been like Mid, it would have been throughout the season, throughout like the season. Through, through practice and different <laughs> mm-hmm. things, you know, they would have figured some things out. Um, but it sounded like the way he was moving, uh, injury was inevitable. So, no matter what, I think all wrote, roots led to what happened. It's just, it's
2: it's crazy to see this because I feel like with Zion, we just have this ridiculous talent, right? And we're trying our hardest to make sure. This is a talent that's going to last and we use it perfectly. And, but with that, with this amazing talent, just comes like this sense of, like a fragile sense of, like, I don't know, we have to protect it at all costs. Yeah.
1: Well, it's not only you, right? Like, it's the, the next thing we're going to talk about is it's not only a huge investment for the Pelicans, but obviously, Jordan brand itself. Yes. Is finding itself sticking up his on I mean, and, and he's
3: their flagship.
1: Yeah, and and we're going to listen to this right now and, and you can see David what Gra- David Griffin says about it. With the fr- Oh, wrong one. And so,
3: yeah, it's been a delicate process for our medical team and I think they've done a really really good job. And I think Zion's done a remarkable job in his work rate and the things he's done as well.
1: So he's not tearing torn any Nike's at the seams anymore. No, but I will say
3: Jordan <laughs> has done a remarkable job of reworking and re-engineer what they do around him.
1: So, wow. obviously, wow. asset protection, right? Like, they know how much money they have invested him, invested in him and how much money he's going to be worth in the future. So, they're going back and saying, well, hey, what can we do on our end to make sure that our shoe, our product, meets the standards of this kid? He's probably like, look, I have a pair of, of, of Jordan 34s. It's this, sick, yeah. The, 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 the shoe Zion wears. I'm sure my shoes are radically different from the the pair. Hundred percent, I
2: think so too. But like I said, man, it's just crazy because like he is a personality off the court. He's a very lovable personality. But the reason why he's getting this attention, like, don't get it twisted. It's because of the immense amount of talent this dude has on the court that's been unprecedented for the league. And we've seen, and we've got the biggest case of blue balls because we only got (laughs) we only got like just the tip. When he played the (laughs) preseason, we we only got just the beginning of the fucking, we got like a baby taste of it, and you see it, and you know it, and and you know it's about to fucking explode, and we're trying at all costs to make sure that it does. So we're being super careful, we're being super delicate, it's almost like we're dealing with the fucking uranium isotope that's ready to fucking explode in the world, but we have to make sure we have these safety precautions in place so we don't have another fucking Chernobyl on our hands. Yeah, yeah.
0: Two things I'll say about that, because a lot of people forget in preseason. I don't know about y'all, but, I mean, we all did watch those games. I'm sure a lot of Pelicans fans did, because we all just wanted to see Zion. Mm-hmm. I have never, and how long, I haven't watched basketball as long as some people, but, you know, I've been watching a long time. I've never seen a player like Zion. No. I've never. I've never seen a player like him before, and... You can. I saw. I saw something. Something today. So Jesse mentioned uh, Jordan, and we we see the investment he took in. He ain't, they ain't the only one. Yeah, the NBA as a whole. Zion is a money. ESPN. I mean, Dude, think there's a reason it. we have the most national games. I, they had a post that said Zion right now, since he's been injured, he has more Google searches than Giannis.
2: Yeah,
1: like ticket. So, on secondary market websites, since Zion was announced to return on the 22nd against the Spurs, yep. ticket prices has surged over a thousand percent. And it's true because I was looking at tickets for the Spurs game, um, man, maybe like a week ago, and you could get tickets in the upper deck for six dollars, right? Yeah, and then the lower bowl was like 21. Dude, now lower bowl. One one sixty to one eighty, and then upper deck anywhere between sixty to one hundred dollars, and that's unprecedented. Considering before you could have went to the jazz game tonight for five dollars. Yep. yep, but one and then, in the and lower then, bowl, in the yeah, in the lower bowl, and and then to think of it like this, it's not only the Spurs game every game after the Spurs game has increased as well. And yep. it's because of what he draws like.
2: And I just want to make sure that people realize that this isn't like it. Part of it is hype. And part of it is the fact that he's like this very, uh, he has a, a huge gravity around him as a character, mm-hmm. but the majority come from this dude is a transcendent talent on the basketball court. And I just don't want anybody to get it twisted. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's a lot of hype, right? Uh, yeah. He's got all he's got all the hype in the world. That's part of it. He's got all the personality in the world. That's part of it. My But the biggest portion is the fact that this dude brings something crazy on the court and I can't wait to see
0: it. My favorite response is people's like, "Oh, he hasn't proved himself uh yet and he and all he did was dunk in college and, you know, that,
2: that's I'm, just, like, that's that's just I'm
1: like that's the people have who not, never watched him in college. Yet.
0: There's no way you watch this guy in college. Like there's no way you watch this guy in preseason and then they'll pull up the preseason and somebody pull up the preseason numbers and you'll see people go, Oh, it's just preseason. Okay. Yeah. And I'm kinda we'll I'm
2: kinda I'm kinda happy that people are saying this because it, it seems to be a common narrative. You hear these common things with Zanya, like, well, he's just a dunker, he's gonna get injured, he's injury prone, he's fat. Like, I hope this is ringing in his ears. Like, I oh, it really is. do. Yeah. And I hope he and takes that and he just he produces. I, think,
0: I don't know if you got this quote, Jesse, but as far as uh, the weight thing, they said specifically mass as a correlation to stress on the knees and stuff like that almost has nothing to do with it. It pretty much has everything to do with, like, his kinetic chain, how he's moving. And what happens is the mass can actually, Amplify that issue, but if he's landing right, it's no impact. Right. Doesn't matter if he weighs three hundred pounds. It's not an impact. It's how he's landing. Yeah, you know, because the rest of his body is—it's not like he's an unproportionate dude. It's not like he's like a big mass dude and got you know thin legs. Like his whole body is matching himself. I
1: mean, just think of it like this, right? Mm-hmm. Say, say I jump. Say I'm on a ledge and I go to jump on another ledge. If I jump up perfectly up and land perfectly square on the second ledge. Nothing's most likely gonna happen to me. but say I go to jump on that ledge and I land on the edge of it with just one leg and I'm at an angle. there's a higher degree of injury risk for me yeah that, and that that's just like I'm speaking as if like that's like some type of like like high knowledge like answer. No, that's a common thing everybody should understand like yeah, if you land wrong, you're increasing your risk of injury. And all the Pelicans did with Zion was say, hey, instead of landing like this, maybe you should try landing like this. But instead, that got blown into, oh, they, they're reteaching him how to oh fucking walk, fuck. and he's a fucking baby now. Like, you know? yeah, like nobody. get out
0: of here. And I mean, like, Shaq was one of the fattest dudes in the league, like,
2: ever. And that dude played till he was, like, 39. Yeah. You know? I agree, Tyler. A 120-pound dude can tear his ACL. Exactly. Happens all the time. Right. So it's not it's not hundred percent about weight distribution. Of course, this dude is playing with a ridiculous amount of force. So we just want to make sure that force is being correctly used. David Griffin likes to use torque. Torque. I'm sorry. So (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. So I haven't taken (laughs) physics since high school, man. So
1: So upcoming for the Pelicans, we have LA on ABC. It's gonna be at it's gonna be a Saturday game at two thirty PM. Am I okay? That's kind of a fuck up. We always play Memphis yeah. on MLK. Then Memphis, MLK. Yeah, we do, yeah. it's it's. I don't know why we, we usually get is that, that like, game. Yeah. I don't know if it's pre-planned or not, but... It feels like it is, because I feel like we always play them on MLK. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're at Memphis. Hopefully, we can. Ho- we need to win that game. I know we need to win every game, but like... That's a game that puts them back and puts us up one. And
2: and right now Memphis is very similar to us. Yeah, they're in the same you know boat, same same boat, and they're playing extremely well, just like we are.
1: So that game's on TNT. I'm actually hoping Drew's back that game because I think if Drew is back, I think John
0: Morant will have trouble.
1: I think this will be the first game that John Morant goes against a, a a solidified defensive juggernaut in the point guard position. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah, I'm kind of
2: excited to watch him. I'm I'm ready to, for Lonzo to step up like he did with Donovan yeah. Mitchell today on a couple of possessions. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then after the Memphis game, it's the twenty second. Uh, yeah. we play San Antonio at home. Um game is rumored to be picked up by ESPN. You know they're gonna fucking pick it up. They'd, they said I mean, they
0: bump they said they'd bump Denver Rockets.
1: Oh, the Rockets have been terrible. Yeah, they're going to fucking bump that game. I'm telling Although
2: you. Although Michael Porter Jr. has been playing good lately. it's crazy is this is another game outside of the Zion thing, just for standings reasons. We huge. need to win this game yeah. as well. Yeah.
1: So, oops. I will huge game be at against that San, game. San Antonio. Tyler's the only one that got tickets.
0: <laughs> I can't make that. I didn't game. get them, thankfully. Yeah. Somebody, we, we got a a Spurs fan. Yeah, shout
1: them. out yeah. to Leah's old punk ass. <laughs> and then uh, our last game of the week is uh, on Friday the 24th. At home versus Denver. Um, all Western Conference games are big. All games going out forward are big. We've been playing well. We can beat these teams. And so hopefully we can continue our our, our winning ways and, and, and win the games we should win and then sneak some games that we
2: probably should. And it's hide. nice to have that change of tie too because we were going into games like, yeah, we just want to play well and have a good game. They were like, I'm pretty confident we can win these games, so it's it's nice to have that turning point of season. It also feels like we're playing for something in the season, which is nice because
0: we could not have said that in December. Yeah. yeah, Like
2: We we were
0: just like, yeah, let's watch the young guys and enjoy them. Like yeah. that's that's what we were, and now it's like we're we're back at that point. But I'm still gonna wish for just continuous health with this team. Absolutely, yeah. keep way. them healthy. You know, even if that means missing the playoffs by a game or two and being disappointed by that, I'll. I'll take that over having a healthy Zion, healthy BI, rest of the season, please.
1: Yeah, and I mean, we should have Drew back. If Drew's not back on Saturday, I think he'll be back on Monday. Um, JJ will probably be back Saturday.
2: Yeah, JJ uh, dressed out today. Okay. So I think he'll be back probably next he'll game. He'll be back next game. Yeah.
1: So probably get Drew back the 20th, Zion back the 22nd. Um, by the way like this kind of like just flew under the radar like what's going on with Kenneth Rich Williams w-
2: what was it they announced something with him right like he didn't suit up today um
1: something with his back right yeah he, he,
2: he, he
0: had lo- he had lower back spasms yeah and or, so or I don't know if it was lower back it was he definitely had back spasms so w- what technically is that right is that like um your, that could be anything from like uh, but usually it's up? just like uh it's like you it's like a pain that flares up in your back okay um to the point where like you know, if that shit happens in
1: games, like it's 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 painful. Yeah, what yeah, I'm not it, saying it's not. I'm know, just trying to because I mean, like it was like he was fine one minute, and the next minute it was just like he was in a suit and tie. It on can
2: the bench be so.
0: very, it can be very general. It's like knee soreness. Like yeah, it could be anything
2: in the back. It could be like in, you know, the, the official Pelicans report was just that he was warming up in pregame, I think last week or a week before that, and yeah. he had his back flare up. That's yeah. what they said in the injury report. And ever since then, it's just been a bag. Derek Favors right?
0: had that earlier in the season, too. Yeah. And you actually see him on the bench wearing, like, uh, some kind of awesome-looking
2: belt. I don't know if that's for his back or not, but... But, I mean, Kenny might be one of those guys. Like Jesse said, when Zion comes back, his back's going to keep flaring up from <laughs> yeah. sitting on that, that <laughs> chair. <laughs> 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 he's not going to get too many Oh, damn. Damn. hey, oh, well, Kenny,
1: I love you. Well, that's just uh, the end of this week's uh, episode. Um, we'll obviously be back. Uh, we'll probably... I say we're, we're probably going to do an emergency podcast episode. Post Zion. Post Zion game. Dude, could you imagine how pissed off people would be if, if they pushed it back? If he didn't play the 22nd? David oh Griffin my God, like, dude. No, they the would, 24th. Dude, people would fucking throw tomatoes at David Griffin.
2: Yeah. They just pushed back Cyberpunk 2077. You saw that, Tyler? Yeah. That's sad.
1: Yeah. And I think they also,
0: he, he kind of mentioned David Griffin. I just completely ignored it. I just completely ignored
1: it. They, Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, it's, Dragon it's, Ball Z. Socrates. Yeah. Yeah. Torque. Torque. Torque.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love and that it, word. And David Griffin loves it too, obviously, because that's all he ever says when he's talking about
2: Zion. He like he has like a. <laughs> He has like ten words that he uses over and over again. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> Meaningful minutes is something yeah. he says. All <laughs>
1: <laughs> just the way you, okay. I know that was supposed to was supposed to end. But like the way you just said it sounded exactly yeah, like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: that was that was pretty good. I
1: think he. I think he like sat down in his office one day and he was like, okay, what are like ten things I can say that will make me sound inherently smarter yep. than everyone in the room? Yep. And then one was torque. The second one was meaningful minutes. Yeah. And
2: we're gonna have to listen. I'm gonna have to, while dude, he's that'll been be great. my homework. <laughs> yeah. That'll be my homework. I'm gonna listen to some uh, interviews and see what he says over and over and over, and over, and over, and yeah. over again.
0: yeah, he did say for Zion, and that's one of the reasons why he doesn't play, he said the NBA he can't just get a player who's been on a long term injury from out to playing. Like they have to yeah. go through like a questionable status. And yeah, that status. was an interesting
2: quote. He said there's a NBA protocol yeah. to a player coming from injury to playing that he has to pass. So
1: he'll probably be like doubtful pretty soon. And then I think, questionable. no,
2: I think they can put him to questionable,
1: right? But they can't just go from like out to playing. Okay.
2: Okay. Gotcha.
1: All right. Well, that is the official end of the episode and uh, we'll definitely see you next week.
2: A lot of meaningful Talk. minutes.